weren't in an abusive situation, uh, I would imagine your experiential life wouldn't have been so mental. But after a certain period of time, when introspection started, then your life became more of a mental experience than it was an experience. In other words, you thought about what happened instead of just being conscious of what happened. You would, instead of being present, you were receiving the representation of the mind. Like when I was a kid, when I was playing, that's all that was happening. There wasn't a thought that there's Paul playing. There wasn't a little narration going on. Oh, Paul's playing with ants. There was just playing with ants. And I didn't worry. I wasn't thinking, will I be playing with ants next week? Because I had no idea of time yet. So there was a lot of things that I grew into that weren't emphasized at that point. And because of that, there was qualities like wondrousness and awe that became infrequent as I grew older. And as I grew old, older, my life became more of a mental experience than it was an experience. There was thinking about everything that happened. Instead of just being conscious of what's happening, there would be I would actually become unconscious of what's happening, and I would be listening to my head's interpretation about what happened. So let's say an event occurred like a girl said hello to me in school, and I would go home and wonder what she meant by it for five hours. <laughs> my head would represent that one event, let's say at 11 o'clock in the morning in the hallway, I would go home and for five hours or so, my head would represent it in as many ways as it could imagine. What did it mean? Am I going to marry her one day? On and on and on and on and on and on and on. And that became a habit more and more, where it wasn't a habit at all when I was younger. I had to grow into it. And I grew into it through introspection, through thinking. And then the thinking aspect of life became the dominant aspect of life. So when I walked into a room, it was more emphasized what I was thinking about while I walked into the room than the walking into the room. Even when you're doing something surfing, there would be an emphasis on, did anyone see me catch that wave, instead of catching the wave. There would be an emphasis on being noticed. Yeah? There would be an emphasis on, like in AA they say, when you come in here, you've got to be willing to save your ass instead of your face. But when I came in here, I actually truly believed my face was my ass. This image that I had, this mental image, was what I was about saving. Yeah? The ass, fuck it. It didn't matter, but the face. I wanted to look good. Yeah? This whole thing of going into this mental realm, and then people talk about self-will. Yeah? big thing about self-will. But if you notice when they, today, right now, a lot of times you don't believe you have any self-will. You feel like you're at the effect of all these different things. But when you start having a mental experience and in time, you have so much free will that you think something else could have happened other than what happened. You believe that if I would have done something different, my whole life would have looked different. But you didn't do something different. I can entertain that I'd have two kids if I was a woman, but I'm not a woman. Yeah? There's this insane idea. And then you exert so much free will, you believe terrible things are going to happen to you because you forget something or you did something wrong. But now, when you're with this free will, you're not exerting any of it. It all happens in the mental experience. Yeah? So here is conscious contact. There's an ability to know what's going on without thinking about it. You can know things will inform you of something prior to you thinking about it. Yeah? But we have forgotten that ability to be conscious and to be in contact, and we've taken a mental interpretation to be our navigator. And so we're waiting for our head to tell us what's going on. And it tells us thousands of different things, and a lot of it is false evidence that appears real. The acronym for fear. 
So the mind presents false evidence and it appears real to you. It doesn't appear real to everyone else. It only appears real to you. And like we were talking just before, people in recovery, it says we, we were 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. If it was a hopeless state of mind and body, there would have been no recovery. But it was seemingly hopeless. And the word seemingly is an incredible important statement in the perceptual experience here. Everything appears to be true or false to you. So everything appears to be true or false to you. So one day, when you're not feeling well, this is a problem, let's say. The next day you're feeling good, it's not a problem. The next day you're feeling bad, it's a problem. What is it? Does it have an inherent meaning, or is it actually the meaning you give it? So if this apparatus is given everything, all the meaning it has, it would probably be wise if you particularly don't like the life that you seem to be reacting to, maybe find out what's giving it the meaning it has. Yeah. And if it's not you, you may be able to entertain the possibility of living under a whole different slew of meanings. Because if you see that it's not, you're not self, which is the center of a system called self-centeredness, you are not that, and that system is interpreting life for you. Most definitely. It's framing what you think life is. Yeah. Just like in recovery, it says, a God, a higher power of our own understanding. To me, I understand why they said that, but I do not want a higher power of my own understanding. I want a higher power of its own understanding. Because if I frame the higher power, the best it may be able to do for me is get me a parking space next week at the meeting. I'm going to limit its ability to totally radically change what I call my life because I'm going to frame it with my understanding, which is always going to make it weaker than me. Self brooks no other God before it, I'm telling you. So when you're identified as a self, who's telling you how, you, how you're doing in your God-seeking? Is God telling you? Or is it your head telling you? I would say it's your head that's informing you that you're getting close or you're getting far based on what? What you do or have. That's playing freaking God. So the head in selfing is playing God. And the whole the how and why of our whole program, supposedly, which is a pretty comprehensive statement, is to quit playing God. It doesn't work. Now, the mind, the mental process of selfing, plays God. The way I quit playing God, I'm not identified as that. The whole center of the system called self-centeredness is self. The feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. This. Yeah. This. As soon And this is a projection. This idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity is a product of a mental process that I would call selfing. It's a verb, and the verb is called identification as self. That's the verb. So the head is verbing a feeling of being a self. So here's this verbing going on all day, and in the verbing, it makes up an illusion that you're a noun. So a verb goes like this. And the first movement it does when it gets on its two hind legs, yeah, and becomes a walking, talking you, it claims. So now, thinking is my thinking. Time is my time. Body is my body. Feelings are my feelings. Opinions are my opinions. Resentments are my resentments. Anxiety is my anxiety. It claims everything. It becomes the owner and the proprietor of it, which changes its relationship totally. A thought is just a thought until it becomes your thought. I'm telling you. A thought is just a thought, but as soon as it becomes your thought, it's the beginning of a novel. You look you'll write up a freaking story out of it. It's something that comes and goes. That's its nature. Do you know when a thought's coming? Do you see it coming from the marina right now? There's a thought coming. You dunk it? No. You're conscious, and then you become conscious of what? A thought. The mental process reaction of that consciousness of thought is, I'm the thinker of it. It claims it. Or it's about me. Yeah? As soon as it does that, 
the thought becomes my thought, and the whole weight of it changes. It gets heavier. See it in your own life. See it. Put the word sex up there, money up there, and relationships. Now wait. Sex, money, and relationships. It matters where situation you're in. If you're not having sex, it may seem important, more important, whatever. But now just put the little word my money, my sex, my relationships. Incredibly different, isn't it? Sex, money, relationships. My money, my sex, my relationships. The act of identification is the, is the injection of heaviness into life. Once a life is seen as yours, it does, it's never sensed as it's happening. It's always happening to you. And if it's happening to you, your mind can have an opinion that you don't want it to happen to you the way it's happening to you. Or you want it to happen to you the way it's happening to someone else. And there it riffs. But a thought is just a thought. It's like a bird flying by a window. If your eye is open, you'll see the bird. You're conscious, so you see the thoughts. In deep sleep, you're not conscious, so you don't see the thoughts of the mind. It has nothing to do with you. You are a thought. The mind is thinking you. Yeah? But then it gives you a feeling that it's you, and then you become the noun, and you now become the thinker. But if you're the thinker, stop thinking. If you were the runner, and someone said, stop running, you could stop running. Why can't you stop thinking? Stop walking, okay. Stop thinking. No, oh, I'll just have positive thoughts. How does that work out for you? <laughs> the mind will try to sit. See, it just will not admit the fact. It has nothing to do with thinking. Consciousness is seeing the thoughts that are being... It's like a popcorn maker. This is a popcorn maker. It has stimuli come at it, and it reacts from the past, which is just a mental realm. It's not happening any other time but now. But it's a very large storage unit in a mental experience. The past can, be a, can store so many regrets, so many memories, but they're only happening now. Is there an airport in the past? Can you make a ticket now? Can you call up a travel agent? I want to go to the past next week. I was at an airport. Can I? I want a five-star hotel. Well, where is the location? In the past. Well, where is it? Well, I don't have the address. Let's Google map it. Where, there'll be nothing there. Same thing with the future. Where the hell is it? It's in a mental realm. It's not happening, is it? You can't taste it. You can't touch it. You can feel like it's there. But that's the, that's the trick of mind. But you cannot experience what's not happening. But you can ex have a mental experience about what's not happening. It's totally different than an experience. A mental experience... See, anything can happen in what's not happening. Anything can happen in there. So if you're entertaining the idea that you'll have cancer next week... There's some chairs over here. Maybe I'll have to bring them up. If, you can, if, if, you're in, if your mind is going into that thing called the future, it can entertain that you have cancer next week. You may be totally well right now, but that doesn't mean a damn thing to the mental experience. It doesn't take the fact of your condition now at all. It immediately goes into what it thinks you'll be like. And it can think thousands of different things. Yeah? And unfortunately, I think I'm going to have cancer. When do you feel like you're going to have cancer? Now. You feel anxious now about an imaginary problem. So what's not happening, totally imaginary, produces an effect in the body now through the mental experience. So let's say in life... If you're, if you're unlucky, 15 times in life, there was the appropriate emotion called fear. Like something was happening, and man, it scared the hell out of you. Most people are living in anxiety. They're not living in fear. Fear is a valid emotion. Anxiety is a mental product. And the mental product is produced in what's not happening, and it downloads now where you're sitting. So you're actually having a... You're eating the fruit of an imaginary tree. <laughs> and it's poisoning you now. 
It's very difficult. Have you tried to convince someone else about what's not happening for you? It's very difficult, isn't it? When you really want them to believe, this, I have this incredible fear about something that's not happening. It's very difficult to convince them to agree with you because they have an incredible fear about something else that's not happening. Very rarely do they combine and be the exact same thing that's not happening at the same moment. Yeah? So no matter how much you want to have compassion and empathy for me, my mountains are a molehill to you. And your mountains are a molehill to me because they're imaginary mountain ranges. So what's the solution to what's not happening? What would be the only solution to what's not happening? Recognizing it's not happening. What more would you have to do if you recognized it was not happening? Nothing. Anything that you did after that would be entertaining that it was happening. Yeah. Why would you need therapy about what's not happening? If I just sit there and go, it's not happening, there you go. <laughs> Where would I find myself in what's happening? Where have I always been in what's happening? Where can I possibly not be anywhere other than in what's happening? But you can have or go up the ass of self and go into a mental realm where you can live basically in what's not happening. You can have memories about a trip you were never present at. That's why people take thousands of pictures when they go to Hawaii, just to convince themselves that they were actually there. Because usually, when they're in Hawaii, they're really worried about being at work. And when they're at work, they're thinking about being in Hawaii. Yes. So memory becomes really important, because memory hides the fact that you weren't present. Your mind presents, oh yeah, I remember I did that that day. You actually probably weren't even there, for all intents and purposes. Because when you're actually here, you don't need a memory of being here. Being here is more than enough. And the being here is a spontaneous way of living because there's going to be a here. There's no time to have a memory of a here. There's a here all the time. Yeah? There, was a, there isn't a point where it's a there and then for you to sit back, oh, well, I remember that here. No, the here is demanding your attention every moment. It's here. Yeah? It keeps you on your freaking toes. You're awake. You're awake. And your experience isn't based on mental. Yeah. What's not happening is seen to be not happening. Why? Because you're conscious. You have to be two levels below a coconut not to recognize what's not happening is not happening. You can't taste it. You can't feel it. You can't hear it, you can't see it, all you can do is think about it. And it's not even you thinking about it. What, an, what, what easier trip to decline a trip that never took off? You're not going to lose the money you invested in the ticket. There was no ticket. It's not happening. But if you're identified as a thought, that gives you citizenship in the mental realm. And then it seems so natural because you can't think about yourself in the now, but you can think about yourself in time. And if you look at your mental head, the mind, where is its value? Is it in this present moment? Or are all thoughts valuing the past and the future much more than now? They're using now as... A, as a launching pad for the mental experience of there and then. Because there and then you can seem huge. Here, it's obvious there's no need of a self. You do not have to think about what's happening now. Consciousness will inform you of everything you need to know. As soon as you start thinking about it, you compare this now to a there and a then. And that ain't it. That's why what happened when you were a kid, maybe your mother was super huge and ugly, but you had no idea of beauty and ugliness, so you just loved her. Everything was quite obvious, because when I was playing, I didn't have time to think, will I be playing next week? To have fear, uh-oh, I may not be playing next week. I was just so engaged now, because my head had to entertain I could be anywhere else. The only place you can be somewhere other than this is in a mental experience. 
have to travel there with thought. There's no other way to travel there. How else are you going to travel there? If you look at the surveillance tape, and everyone's being taped tonight, you are here in this room. No matter how much you're thinking about the future, you're doing it now. No matter how much you're regretting or going over the past, you're doing it now. There's no escape of this fact. The mental experience is just an act of denial of what you are, which is a spiritual nature, not a mental fucking nature. So the way I went at it is someone offered me this invitation that you may not be what you think you are. So instead of just assuming this is so and then running around using its gauges and barometers to figure things out, thinking about it, you know, comparing it, going over it ad nauseum, yeah, why not turn the light and see who the hell that is there that's assuming it to be Paul? And when I looked, I didn't find anyone. I found a mental process producing a product called ourself. And how can you think... That's why in recovery it says self will not get out of self. Why? How could a product of a mental process ever transcend the mental process? How could, if the self is a thought in a mental process, how could it ever leave the mental process and be something? There's no leaving it. You can't get out of self as self. You can't use thought to get out of thought. Yeah? But the head, the mind that I feel was demonstrating itself when you were young, that somehow started reflecting a mental process called selfing, and in that reflecting, it became identified as what the process was offering, a self. And then this mind that can comprehend serenity and no peace, yeah, started to entertain that I am appalled. And then every time it would entertain serenity and peace, it entertained it as a Paul, which limits its ability to understand serenity and peace. It can only understand serenity and peace from a point of view of being Paul. And that means serenity and peace are a goal that I'm going to get or not get. I can never entertain that I am serenity and peace when I'm entertaining I am this. And as soon as these qualities of mind become a goal that I'm going to get, then the conversely, it's a goal that I can lose. And the getting of it will be based on what I do or don't do. Yeah. And the thing that will be telling me how I'm doing with it will be the head. And the losing of it will be based on what I do or don't do. That's playing God. Your nature becomes a goal that your head now may entertain trying to achieve or not. But every step of the way, how you're doing is going to be based on its take. And when you arrive there, your departures and what's going to cause you to seemingly leave from that piece will be based on it. That's playing God. Everyone here, we have tons of faith. Everyone has so much freaking faith. But in this place... Faith demonstrates by what you put it in. Yeah? If you put it into your thoughts, and if you put it into self, self is unreliable. It's going to take that faith that you have in your thinking and your perceptions and all that false evidence appearing real, and it's going to take that faith and create anxiety with it. You're going to have faith that it's so real that I could, something really terrible could happen to me in the future, You'll be a true devotee of mind. Instead of this, you'll be like this. There's not a threat at all right now, but it doesn't matter to you because you believe there's a threat later. And it's going to override your experience of now, and it's going to be a mental experience of then and there. And then it will tell you what to do to get over the problem it's making, <laughs> which is a bigger problem, yeah? So it will inform you, oh, I have a great idea for you, Paul. Join this monastery, and after lifetimes of purification, maybe, just maybe, something will happen for you. I think I need relief now. Oh, no, 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 you've got 
tons of purification to do. You've got to meditate quite a lot and read all these scriptures. No, 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 no. There is no relief from self as self. None whatsoever. All it is is slavery. Once you practice one thing, it will have to become the new turbocharged thing, the super extreme Buddhism, because nothing will really fucking work. Because it's impossible. How can you get relief from a cold if you bought tons of flu medicine? It doesn't matter if you took it religiously. Sometimes colds and flu have some similar symptoms, but not all of them. And if you follow the instructions and you spend all that money getting flu medicine, if you misdiagnose yourself, it doesn't fucking matter. You got a cold. It's not that you're obsessed with an idea of you. You're identified as an idea of you. If you're identified as an idea of you, what's the mental process going to do? It's going to obsess over it because the only way it can bond you to this, this idea of being a self is by constantly, constantly narrating a life based on it. Do you think you need 70,000 thoughts a day? We did research, and this was years ago, 70,000 thoughts a day. What are those thoughts doing? I mean, I can turn a screw in a nut. I don't need 70,000 thoughts to you know, fix a spark plug. What's it doing? It's all about reinforcing the idea of being a you. It's busily advertising and narrating and selling you a product called A-Self. As soon as you believe it, the A drops off, now it's self. Now you're identified as it, and it just bonds you. Every day, I need my, I need my, I need my. You totally forget the conscious contact and you're in a total mental realm where time becomes more important than now. The body becomes more important than spirit. This seems real and this space seems like it's nothing. It's like we went over it the other night. Let's say you see this chair, yeah? There's a chair here. Let's say this thing's been here 40 years. 40 years. This has been here. And I move it. When I move it, do I have to move some space into that position? As soon as I move this, do I have to go in the closet, get the space that it's taken up and put it there? And does the space show any remnants of that being there? I'm not talking about the floor, the space. Can you see any any scar of this table on space? If I remove this, what's that? What's this right here? Yes. Now, what is it now? It's space. You think there's space on the other side of the wall, that space, and there's space here, but the wall isn't space? If you took that wall down, would there be something called, I don't know what, until you move some space back in? The reality is space. This is an appearance in it. It's not taking up any space. It's not replacing the space. It's just appearing in it. Yeah? This is an appearance of space. Or if you want to say it, this is a wave on the ocean. Now, being identified as a wave, what we see the ocean is other waves. In a sense, we're super wet, but we're acting like we're dry. Because we're not realizing what we're in, which is space. We're not in space. We are space. Do you believe I stopped here? Right here? Yeah. And then this is, I don't know why, and then you start there. Yeah? All right. So I'm here, and when I close my eyes, I can see it. It says, made in the USA, and I'm here in my cheekbone, and I'm here. And when they go, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Can you imagine how small it would be? It's very skinny. No parking at all. If the kingdom of heaven is in me, it's this. It's in me as space, as everything else is. The you that I would say he was implying isn't the you of the body, it's the you of your nature, which is space, spirit, yeah? So here, or just look at a plane. Does it ever run into a piece of sky? Have you ever seen a, hey, we've run into a big piece of sky up here, you know? No. It's just space, yes? But everything can appear in it. Yet, what appears in it doesn't affect it at all. You can have 4th of July explosions. It doesn't rip the sky open. You can have giant rain clouds. It doesn't make the sky wet. You can have beautiful clouds. It doesn't make anything. The sky 
It's just allowing everything to appear in it and everything to disappear in it. Yeah? Some bugs only live for a day, like we said the other day. If you got up late that one day, you'd blow it, yeah? You'd be dead. Jesus, why didn't I get up if I knew I only had one day here? Would have been good. We think ourselves as long-lasting. It's just a perceptual thing called time. But we seem to have appeared as a body, and it's going to disappear. This wave, called Paul as a body, is cresting, and now it's probably going down. And one day it's not going to be here. And yet, do you think that anything changed in the space of, that, of what we are? And do you believe that space is nothing and dead, or is it charged with awareness and intelligence? Maybe, in a sense... This is the negative of the picture. And this is the positive of the picture. Perceptually, we think this is negative, nothing, and this is so positive. But we could be sorely mistaken. Maybe it's the space that is everything, and what's appearing in it is actually inherently nothing but space. Yeah. So what does it say in St. Francis? It says, isn't it in self-forgetting that you will be reborn? You'll wake up to what? that space or that spirit or Buddha nature or Christ consciousness, whatever you want to call it, but it's in the act of self-forgetting, which is a way of life, that you'll be in the remembrance of that space. Not as a memory, but living it. Yeah? And in the living of it, it will intimate itself to you. By its expression as you, it will intimate its nature. You will comprehend the word serenity and you will know peace you will have a new freedom and a new happiness. Not the old freedom and old happiness offered in self-centeredness, which is always put off based on certain circumstances and situations. When I get this and this and this, and when I arrive, everything's going to be great. Has it worked out? Or is it immediately as soon as you arrive, you're, on, you're planning your next journey? I've got to get something else. It's like that here, there, we used to always do. I'm just sitting in my room, and we'll get to you. Just sitting in my room, everything's fine in my little one-bedroom apartment. And I look around, and everything's cool. I'm feeling pretty good. And I look, open up this magazine, and there's this beautiful, full-color layout of a couch. Yeah? So my mind goes, wow, I'd really like to have that couch. That's fine and dandy. Then it goes, you know what? This room sucks. There's <laughs> not a couch in this room. I can't believe I've even put up for, with this for so freaking long, this couch estate. And then I go over to my friends and I go, how many of my friends have couches? And they didn't tell me what it's, how great it is to have a couch. Start resenting them, you know. And then my head says, you know, I bet you I'll conceive my first child on that couch. I don't even have a girlfriend yet, but I will after I get the couch. And now my mind is creating a lot of false evidence that's appearing real to me, and the couch takes on mythical proportions. And I say to myself, when I get the couch, everything's going to be great. It's finally going to translate to me being okay. I'll have that sense of satisfaction brought about by that couch. So now, everything was sort of okay just a second before. Now... It's being invalidated by my mind's occupation with this couch. So the mind takes this couch, like a carrot, puts it in front of me, and I travel saying no, no, no to each moment, waiting for that incredible there called the couch. So the here is being invalidated, contracted. I'm not going to open up until I get a couch. I'm not embracing anything until I have that couch. That couch is, oh, I'll be totally open to that, but nothing else. You know, oh, yeah, no. So here we go. So now I start working for the couch. I get some money and I'm into it. And now, it's so funny. I used to see this when I was painting houses and I had a trip. I was going to plan a trip. A couple of days before I had this idea of taking a trip, I'm doing estimates. And then there'd be three other painters and I couldn't really care less. I had a little money in the bank. Hey, if they get the job, fine. But then as soon as my mind introduced this idea of a trip and gave it a lot of meaning, like that trip means a lot, then I was resenting the other painters who were bidding against me because I needed to get that job to get money for what? The trip. Yeah? And then I would actually maybe change my estimate. I'd say I was going to put two coats on it, but I'd have to, I was just going to put one coat on it so I could get to the next job because I need money for the trip. So everything changed just with this one idea of the trip because it had a meaning that I'm going to feel really great when I'm over there. 
but I'm not feeling great now. Yeah? And there's no possibility that I can feel great now until I get over there. <laughs> so here I am with the couch and I'm working hard. Then you get the day it's going to come over you. And you call your friends and none of them sound as enthused as you are. Because they've been through it. They've had couches before. <laughs> they know there's a very deep disappointment going to come over you. But I'm there and I make the room for it and they bring it in. Ah, oh, man. My mythical there has finally arrived. It's here now. And I sit down on it, and I enjoy it for about five minutes or so. Then my mind says, hey, you need a matching rug. <laughs> so now, this mythical there becomes a here that I need another there for. This is what's called slavery of the mind. You're waiting for something to be delivered at a future date that's going to make it all okay for you now. But not now, in a future date. And no matter how many times it's not delivered, you get back on the hamster cage and you go after the same carrot. Maybe it's the fairy princess, maybe it's the knight in shining armor, maybe it's money, maybe it's a new job, a new location. But there's only limited possibilities in self-centeredness, and all your mind's doing is representing them. Oh, it's not the same. This time her name is Mary. Oh, okay. The whole system is, you know. Look at, when I looked at my relationships in the past, Let's say I had 15 intimate relationships and they all seemed to have failed. What was the constant in all those relationships? Me. That was going over my head. I. Something wrong. Not in them. It's in the mind. The mental experience. What happened to being conscious? And it's very difficult if you're identified with a thought to get out of thoughts. It's fucking incredibly hard. I don't think it's possible. Yeah? Self cannot get out of self. It's not going to work. Because every time you're thinking you're getting out of self is being in self. Let's say you hear how quote-unquote bad self is, so you sign up for a two-year intensive workshop, how to get out of self. Isn't that being in self? Isn't your thinking about getting out of self actually being in self? So whatever exit door looks like, you think you're leaving the compound, it's in the compound. There's no getting out of this imaginary realm as an imaginary action figure. The point is, is you see that I'm not that, and that's the freedom from it. And the solution doesn't take time. It may play out in time, as you as an effect of it, but the solution doesn't take time. Just like the pause is an eternal moment in time. That pause, when something stops, you're, or startles yourself into stopping, that pause is eternity. Yeah? Anything can happen in that pause. Your whole life can take a different direction with a second of pause, of silence. Yeah? It's pregnant with new possibilities. That pause is a demonstration of what you are. Why would you want to rely on the chair to get you to the experience of space? Just seeing that you are not the chair is the space. What's always so hasn't been moved by your appearance. You haven't taken its place. And it's not going to have to rush in when you go. It's as if you were never here. The space doesn't stop here. This is an appearance. Your mind is projecting a reality for you as a body. It's going to come to an end. At the same time, you are consciousness. So when the mind stops entertaining its self, which causes it to entertain everything else from self, So your most prized quality becomes an object that maybe you will want to try to practice. Like acceptance. Acceptance is a byproduct of a psychic shift. It's not something a self practices. All you can do is tolerate as a self. There's just too much time to, to accept. So here, I recognize I'm not that. I just start entertaining I'm not that. The mind that had wonder and awe when it was young, when it was unadorned by this idea of being a self, goes back to its size 
just like a space, hasn't left anything. It just realizes there ain't no chair, and it starts entertaining from its true nature, which is, I'm not going to be okay later, I'm quite all right now. I have a sense of okayness. I have a sense of that conscious presence. What's the conscious presence? The conscious presence is space, but you can't have it as a chair. So in a way, there's nothing to do. And it's immediate, the solution. It doesn't have any time involved in it. It's like the acorn has the whole oak tree in it. Yeah? The mind entertains peace, and probably it will play out in your life. It will look as if the dream's getting happier as you dream yourself out of this place. The chair will dream itself out of this place of chairs. And while it's seemingly a chair, it will get happier. It won't be worried if it's being sat on by the greatest ass of all time. It won't be worried if it's in the front row or the back row or if it's used to hold the door open or whatever. There will be a certain level of acceptance because, of course, it's acting as if it's a chair, but it will realize it's not a chair. Yes. So we can travel light as a chair. How can you travel light as a chair if you're a chair? Wouldn't you have opinions of every ass that sat on you? Of course you would. You would say, I didn't like that ass, and I like that ass. And why doesn't that ass sit over in me in this place? It would just go off, because it would be having a mental experience of being a chair. It's what you're having now. Don't you think you have options? Don't you believe? Have you seen the mind when it goes into what it calls the past? Have you ever entered, if only? Have you ever gone there? Have you? Have you ever come out with anything good when you went back into, if only that wouldn't have happened? And of course it makes it great, the feeling that if that wouldn't have happened, it would have been great. You don't not have any idea, but you believe it, yeah? Or I should have. I should have done that, or I shouldn't have done that. Or what if? <laughs> That's a good one. Only if ponder what if. All right? What if I didn't get hit by the car? But I did. Oh, let's just go over that. Let's forget the facts. Let's think about what happened if I didn't get hit by the car. But you did. <laughs> oh, it's just like a speed bump. Oh, well, let's forget that fact. What, what, but what if I, did? I would have been a basketball player? Probably a pro. <laughs> <laughs> the Celtics would have won. I would have defeated the Lakers. <laughs> I would have stopped Kobe in his tracks. I know it. Oh, Jesus. See, that's the funny thing. Have you noticed that when you, want so when you have something, you don't really want it, but you really want it when you don't have it? Isn't that an exquisite little mental experience? It's called suffering. Doesn't it do a nice job with you? You have something. Maybe for two years you're going out with this lovely woman, but you're not paying much attention to her. But then she leaves, and suddenly she's the source of all your happiness. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? When you have it, you laugh. Uh, it's nothing. But when it, you don't have it, oh, I really want it. Isn't that exquisite suffering? The mind, doesn't the mind, it can create exquisite suffering. That's for sure, doesn't it? It can make you wish you had something that you never really wanted. And by its absence, it will drive you crazy. One of the biggest revelations I ever had, I was taking a bath one night, and I realized I didn't want what I wanted. It was such a fucking relief. This head was always telling me I wanted something I didn't have. My whole freaking life. Yeah. Not my whole life, when I hit about seven, eight, nine years old. It was always about, I really want something that I don't have. It was never that I really want what I have. I always want something I don't have. This is the mental fucking realm. Yeah? It's juicy for it. Because it seems like it's so real when it's suffering. How does, what does your head do when you're having a good day? Doesn't it get suspicious quickly? Doesn't it feel like someone's going to find out I don't deserve this good time? I'm a fraud. This, doesn't it? It gets cooking after a few minutes. But the same head, if you're having a bad day, says it's going to last forever. This is a depression, I know it. It just immediately gives meaning to it and it elongates the bad and it shortens the good. Do you want that to be interpreting life for you? Do you think it's going to change? 
Really, do you? Do you have a hope that someday it's going to be okay? But not now, of course. But someday it'll be okay. Let me just bear it now, because someday it's going to, when I get this or I have that, then everything will be fine. How many times have you applied that formula and it hasn't worked? What would it take for us to become convinced that we're relying on a faulty system? That thinking is a very, very archaic, crude way of knowing. All you're knowing is past. That's all thought is. Thought is framing everything in the past. That's why we call it in recovery resentment. What does that mean? Refeel. Everything's a refeeling. Everything's a rehashing. Everything is a representing. Everything is a rethinking. There's not a new thought. There's not a new feeling. You're just rehaving them. You go home, and instead of just the day being forgotten because you were in it, it just represents it to you, doesn't it? You can't go to sleep because... And then it's always represented that you had tons of free will. I shouldn't have done that. I should have done... <laughs> Why didn't I go to Lindemar? Why didn't I stay at Concord? I miswaved. I did this. I did that. It all becomes freaking so important. To who? You. You can feel the taste of it. A mental experience feels like something. It feels vacant. Yeah? It's tinny. It doesn't have a timber. It doesn't have a bass sound. It's all mine. Ding, 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 ding. When you're alive, when you're actually conscious, it's like deep. It's a bassy feeling. You're here and you're substantial. Not as a body, and definitely not as a mind, but as a space. You're solid. Yeah? It has some authenticity to it. There's no authentic self. But what you are is truly authentic. Yeah? Truly authentic. And it, and it starts translating and transmitting. You can sit in and hold the space for someone in the certainty of what they are because you're in the certainty of what you are. It's one of the loveliest feelings to be in the presence of that. When people are awake, and they're, they are awake to being awake. They're not unconscious about the awakeness. They're awake to being awake. The mind has been freed from the slavery of selfing and trying to be awake as a self, which is totally being unawake here. It's the verb of being unawake is trying to be awake as a self. It's freedom from that. That is awakeness. You're conscious. There's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. There's an oneness to us. Why, aren't, why isn't that the anchor of our life? Why is it a mental anchor that we only know something by thinking about it? You only get a sense of who you are by thinking about it. It's called self-reflection. The poor mind that can entertain serenity and peace has been enslaved to entertaining you all day. <laughs> Jesus has driven it crazy, hasn't it? It's like putting a marathon runner in a small four-by-four-foot oval in your cellar. And it's just running, <laughs> and you just change the scenery to make it look like it's new. It's just running. This is boring as hell. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm not going to get what I want. I'm afraid. I'm going to lose what I have. Okay, next time. I'm afraid. I'm not going to get what I want. I'm afraid I'm going to lose what I have. Next time. I'm afraid. I'm going to give me a freaking break. Do you believe if you were relying on something that was reliable, that you'd need rationalizations, excuses, and blame? If you actually were getting delivered the goods by your life, there would be no need for excuses. You wouldn't have to rationalize, because all the rationalization is about a delivery that you were promised not being delivered. Really. All your excuses is about trying to paint over the fact that something hasn't freaking delivered once again. And you're blaming others because it's unbearable to feel the feeling of that unreliability, so you blame others for causing it. It's called relying on self. It's unreliable. It's producer of all anxiety, relying on self. It's an unreliable system. How do we rely on self? You're listening to the thoughts of self. Alcoholism is in the mental process. You cannot take an x-ray of alcoholism. 
you're not going to find it in the body. You're not. There's no MRI scan that's going to pick it up. It is in the mental process. It's a disease. It's a verb. It's not like a tumor. It's an activity of mind. And the mental process is what produces a sense of being you. That's what it does. If that process is infected with alcoholism, then the thoughts that that process is having is infected with alcoholism. The interpretation of the feelings that you think you're having are being interpreted by alcoholism. Your reactions to life will be alcoholic reactions. That's why when we come to these meetings, I do not identify with who you are. I do identify with what's taking you over. The same parasite that took me over is taking you over. And we get to these meetings and we share our thoughts, our feelings, and our reactions. They're not our thoughts. Our feelings, our reactions, they're alcoholic thoughts. They're like the thoughts of a parasite. It's using you to express itself through. We've recognized it because how could everyone all around the world who suffers from alcoholism identify with people from Bombay, from Istanbul? Because it's not who we're identifying, it's what's taking each other over. The same parasite took you over. That's why when we joke, we laugh. If a normal person was in here, they'd be aghast at what we're laughing about. <laughs> There's no identification. Why? They haven't been taken over. We have. And yet we sit here constantly claiming the expressions of self as ours. You cannot be more in the act of being identified as self than that. Here we are in the place where the, supposedly the solution is being dispensed and we keep proclaiming the disease every freaking moment. In the book, in our recovery book, self, being convinced that self, convinced means to believe with certainty, being convinced that self manifested in various ways. In other words, self can appear in different ways in your life, yes? So self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So thank God he separated us already from self. So self defeats us. My experience, how I got defeated by self, I was identified as it. Okay? So self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. We are now going to look at its common manifestations. Yeah? Selves. And then the next paragraph starts with the word resentment. So the inventory process that is passed on ever, all the time that you're doing inventory on your resentments, your anxieties, your acting out, they're not yours. You're doing the solution, proclaiming the problem. You don't see that a resentment is coming from a point of view called extreme self-centeredness. It's called alcoholism. The anxiety you're living in is produced by an alcoholic state. Obviously, because it's not happening, it's got to be in the mental realm. You're afraid of something that's not happening. Where could that have, where could that effect be produced? In mind. That mind's infected with alcoholism. Its expression is anxiety. It's using you to express itself through. And every time it expresses ourselves, itself through us, we claim it to be ours. These are my resentments. These are my fears. And now you're like staking a claim and putting a flag on something that's killing you. Can you imagine if you saw anxiety as anxiety? You'd realize you'd want to have nothing to do with it. But when it's yours, you write up a story about it. Oh, I have a real good reason to be anxious. Give me a fucking break. It's like, oh yes, God, yes. I have a real good reason to be anxious. Oh, wonderful mind, yes. Bring all those joys and fruits from what's not happening. I'll feast on them now. Yes, yes, please. Keep the impending doom away. Don't let me get squished. I'll play as small as I have to. Please. Isn't that slavery? Isn't that slavery? We're afraid to even proclaim our freedom. It's always bookend, oh, I'm still crazy. We still pledge allegiance to the problem. We're scared shit of it. Have you met a power greater than it? If you do, you won't be scared shit anymore. It's powerless. It has, it's a paper tiger. It's all your juice it's using. You comply by your faith in it, protect... What is presenting, you're taking it to be you. You infuse it with all this fucking meaning. 
The biggest meaning you could give anything is that it's you. If it's you, how can you entertain being free of it? How can you possibly entertain being free of what you believe you are? All you can do is do the best you can. Therapize it, socialize it. If you have to, put it into an institution so it'll be behave. Play really small, don't ask for much in life so you won't be disappointed. All of these machinations to make what's unbearable somewhat bearable. Yeah? Why? Why is it that it's so included in all our affairs? Because you can't entertain being free of it. If you could entertain being free of it, you would see the hostility it is. It's a parasite. It only has a life by having yours. And you're giving it, you're giving it to it so willingly. Everything it demonstrates through you, you're calling it yours. I mean, how more identified can you be? I'm saying this because there's been a, a breakdown in that system in me. I know the problem by the solution. Seriously. I know the problem by the solution. I've had a solution about the problem. The problem does not exist for me because it doesn't exist as me anymore. Why is it existing for you? Because it's existing as you. When the problem is existing as you, it's identification with it, then it will seem to exist for you and not exist for you, but always to exist for you again. Because if it, it will have to look at like that. Because it's two sides of a coin. So if it's existing as you, then the problem will appear to be existing for you, and then sometimes it won't appear to be existing for you, only to appear to be existing for you again. You can't relax in that kind of state. Your peace is determined on circumstances and situations. There's, and especially in the mental experience, there's a future where you could lose it. How can you enjoy something if you believe you can lose it? There's no enjoyment of it. How can you enjoy it if you have a, a nagging, nagging feeling that you can lose it? And the losing of it is going to be based on something you do or don't do. You'll play God with God. What would happen if your idea of a higher power was sort of like this? It's always available at all times with no requirement necessary to meet it. In other words, your relationship to that power isn't based on your head. Yeah? You're not this condition, trying to have a spiritual one. You're a spiritual condition, which makes you a present tense verb, and to me, God's a present tense verb. Tell me the difference. Mike, this gateless gate doesn't have a gatekeeper, and the head is not the gatekeeper. My head is not going to tell me how close and far I'm, I am away from my own nature. I don't have faith in it anymore. I'm not relying on self. It's unreliable. I'm now trusting something infinite. And if you trust something infinite, the trusting feeling could be infinite. If you trust something infinite, the power available to you is infinite. If you trust something finite, its power is finite. If you trust something that's finite, its trusting is finite. That's not trust, is it? You know, it's just something to entertain. Sometimes I get excited about it. But, uh, <laughs> I've just been speaking a lot today. But the thing is, there's no pressure. It's not like anything you have to do or not. It's just an invitation. It's gotten in. It'll do its wonders, yeah? Your mind is, like in Buddhism, they say, the, the ordinary mind and the enlightened mind are the same mind. The same mind that's taking itself to be ordinary because it's identified as a body is the enlightened mind. As soon as it realizes I'm not this, then it takes on the nature of being all of that. It doesn't have to work at it. It just takes on that nature. Yeah? Why? Because it's, that's its nature. How could something be space if it wasn't space? So. <laughs> There's a way of knowing. It's prior to thought, I'm telling you. Definitely. You sense a presence. It's conscious. You feel it. And I'll tell you, the greatest solution to dissatisfaction is satisfied. <laughs> 
all the philosophies, all that shit doesn't hold water. What you really need if you're dissatisfied is to be satisfied. That irritable restless and discontent gets turned over, now you feel at ease. And every once in a while, maybe your mind will get irritable, restless, discontent. But that will be the abnormal, or out of the norm, and the norm will be enjoying peace of mind. And the proof is in the pudding. You'll see it in your life. If it's working, you'll know it. You'll travel lighter. It can't promise you the destiny that you're in as this action figure will change, but you'll travel lighter throughout a destiny time has for you as this. And what more can can you be offered than that? An ability to travel lighter. And we have these meetings three times a week. And there's other people you can see if you don't like me. Don't throw the message away with the messenger. The message is much more important than the messenger. Yeah? And uh, there's three meetings a week. We're going to have a day long on Saturday if you want to come. We're going to start out the meeting in Marin City at 11.15, which has the, the address is on the website if you ever go to it, zenbitchslap.com. As a date, and then from there we're going to go up to a guy's house in Sausalito and have a uh, potluck and a barbecue and have a couple more talks. And sometimes it's nice for a day because it cooks like a souffle, yeah? We hang out in the space and then uh, the mind can open up, yeah? Because it's, look at how much you're doing with what's not happening. Can you imagine you've entertained something that was true? Fuck, what power you have. I mean, look, look at, look at, look at the story in the Bible when Jesus supposedly brings Lazarus back from the dead. So actually, he brought someone that was at least alive, that died back to the life. You're bringing something up into what's happening that never happened at all. You're worrying anxiety out of nothing. I mean, you're a great miracle worker. You're actually raising something that's not happened, nor has it ever happened, into seemingly happening to you. That's fucking pretty powerful. Can you imagine if you took that mind and entertained something that was true? What could happen? I mean, look at what you do with false evidence. It makes you totally neurotic. Can you imagine real evidence, what it could do to you? The real evidence that everything is okay? Not hopefully will be, but is. That you are peace. That everything that ever happened to as you as a historical figure doesn't leave one mark on what's so. This chair will never see, show any residue in the space that it was seemingly occupied. Not one bit. Not one bit. There will be no signature of any chair in the space. So you can be let off the hook of all your guilt and shame about doing and not doing because you never did or, or not did anything. You really think you did all that stuff? You can't even shit when you want to. Can you? Really? Have you ever had it, you know, are you pumping your blood right now? Are you digesting that burrito the other day? You forgot it's still waiting for you? Can't, i got to get home fast. i got to digest this burrito. I forgot the last few days. Are you, you know, are you beating your heart? But then everything else, you think you're the big mover and shaker. It's unbelievable. Jesus, what an arrogance of mind, yeah. Whatever knew what was going on knew not to give you any power. Because <laughs> you would have forgot to breathe a long time ago, right? You would have got so obsessed with something that wasn't happening, you would have died. <laughs> I forgot to do what was happening, breathing. Oh, you know? All that little amusement park of mine would have been, never been able to go there. But something allows, this. all this life is happening involuntarily, yet you think you have all this mojo going on. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Alright, so uh, whatever. <laughs> any thought, any uh, whatever? What other things? Question. Where's the question? Has the question ever really helped you when you got the answer? That's right. Exactly. 
difference thinking about it and talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this, let's say, oh, we're having a thing next Saturday. That was it. No thinking, no thinking. I'm talking about what's not happening in the psychological mind. Yeah? Yeah. You know the difference. You're just being cute. I know. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we'll end with the serenity. Oh, wait a minute. Pass the basket. What's the basket? I don't know. Let me find a hat. Oh, here's a hat. Yes. Oh. Yeah, come Saturday it'll be fun. We haven't really uh, uh whatever you call it. Advertised it. We're gonna have new shirts too. Zen bitch slap. I forgot the other shirts. <laughs> Biggest deterrent to all my cottage industries. <laughs> yeah, constantly.